I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Good afternoon, Bucknoters. Welcome to what we learned live following Ohio State's 37 to 17 win over visiting Maryland. A tale of two halves. Ohio State did not look good at all in the first half. In fact, they looked flat out bad. Uh, at least the offense did. You know, I thought even though you know Maryland led 10 nothing early, I wasn't on the defense. Um, but um, Buckeyes pull it out 37-17. We're going to get into everything that we learned. We're going to hear from the Dean of Ohio State Football Recruiting, Bill Curlick. In about 10 minutes, we're going to hear from Patrick Murphy and Steve Hellwagon after post-game interviews. I am Dave Biddle. Thank you very much for joining me. So, whew, uh, we thought it might be, you know, a, a test for Ohio State, and it was. It was too much of a test early, uh, if you're a Buckeye fan. Maryland jumping out to a 10-0 lead. Uh, and, again, Ohio State just looking bad offensively. Um, not looking like average or any, bad and uh, but they turned it around in the second half and they got a lot of help uh, first of all the defense played great overall and um, that pick six by Proctor was huge I thought JT Tumalo played great I thought Tyleek Williams played great I don't know what's happened with Tommy Eichenberg um, last year Tommy was literally an all-american uh, I'm not seeing it this year I don't know what's going on but welcome into the show uh, I'm sure you guys have plenty of questions. I'll get to uh, as many questions as I can after we hear from our guests. But I'm going to go through a few things. I mean, I, I'm still completely nonplussed about the special teams for Ohio State. I mean, I, I we're curious. I mean, you know, they were saying fake the fake punt was actually a bad snap. We're seeing too many snafus on special teams with Parker Fleming's unit. Okay, and it's not like he's a grad assistant. He's a full time assistant coach making a half million dollars a year, and Michigan game last year you know they didn't know you know the the long snapper didn't know that the uh the fake punt was on I mean yeah you can blame it all on the long snapper at some point that's coaching right when you have all of these snafus so um you know again I, I need to see a lot better out of the special teams although Jaden feeling is a dude you know I don't know how much you give Parker Fleming credit for that but I guess you know give him some credit Jaden fielding you know Buckeyes have their kicker we already knew that, but we know it for sure. The Buckeyes have their kicker. Jaden Fielding is a good one. You know, and it wasn't just that botched 
fake punt or whatever, if it was on the long snapper, we'll find out when we talk to our boys afterwards. But then how about the the long punt return by Maryland? Almost was broken for a touchdown. They got like a 40-yard. It looked like Ohio State at least. Ohio State was going to pin them deep, and Maryland gets a long punt return. I just, you know, I don't know what, you know, it's like the the quote from The Office. I mean, I literally wrote this down in my notes. It's like, what? Parker Fleming, what would you say you do here? Uh, what would you say you do here? I mean, what would you say you do here? I don't know. But let's get back to the positive stuff. So, you know, Kyle McCord, shaky early, even balls that he was, like, completing, like the long one to Marvin, completely underthrown. Um, and then I thought Kyle McCord settled in and, and played really well. The stats look great. Um, and how about Marvin? How about Marvin going off? We're all thinking, well, maybe not all of us. I was thinking, okay, probably on a, on a pitch count, you know. No, he's going to go off for a huge game. A Mecca. I'm worried about a Mecca, but I was hopefully what they said on the TV broadcast is true that it's a bone contusion. It's a knee contusion. Um, that'd be the best news because I, I, when that first happened, I'm like, crap, is that an ACL? Because you say, yeah, he was able to like almost walk off until his teammates told him to get down because he's coming all the way over from the other side of the field. But like, as we all know from watching football, we see it time and time again a guy is able to walk off um limp off and you find out it's a torn acl that's not something that's gonna like make you not be able to limp off the field um sometimes i'm sure it would i've never had a torn acl but um i've seen it time and time in football again in football where a guy's able to limp off the field so thank god if that's true that that is a bone contusion for Emeka. let's hope that's true um yeah i mean yeah rm that yeah it did i exactly it did look like at first I was concerned about it. It did. It looked like he just smacked his. It just looked like he smacked his knee on there, on the on the turf. Steven with a nice shout out to me. I I won't. No, I, I, we have a lot of good guys on this beat that tell it like it is. We have a lot of guys on it. But I appreciate the shout out. But we, hey, this is a good beat. We got a lot of good men and women on this beat. Yeah, exactly. People are talking about bone bruise is painful, but it will heal. It, it will heal clean. It's exactly right. You know, if you need to hold them out for Purdue, that's fine. Because they're deep at wide receiver. Julian Fleming with a hell of a play. Hell of a play. Should have been a touchdown. Again, McCord's – I want to give McCord props because overall I thought, you know, he got the job done. Obviously, he got the job done. Overall, I thought he played pretty well. But, man, stats look way better than what they should because – his two of his best pass, two of his long, his two longest passes were really bad passes. <laughs> Just Marvin was wide open for fifty yards, and then Julian was wide open. Cade Stover, he did hit on the run for Cade's long touchdown, forty-four yards. But Julian made a great play to get down and, and catch that ball near the goal line. Should have been a touchdown, but at least it was a completion. So good job by Ohio State's wide receivers. Good to see Carnell take it in there late. So, yeah, the game starts out with a disastrous series of events. Ohio State gets the ball. They got a third and two at the 33. First drive of the game, third play of the game, incomplete pass. Here here we go. Here we go. Third and two. They're doing some pass incomplete. Boom. Fake punt stuffed. Is it fake punt? Bad job by the snapper. I don't know, but we're getting sick of seeing Parker Fleming's unit not step up. Um, And then, boom, a few plays later, they give up a touchdown. 
we are two minutes into the game and and Maryland leads seven nothing. It's like here we go. Um, I'm gonna get into this though too. Like there was a the if I was trying to like what does intentional grounding look like? I would have showed the play that Tonga Vailoa had in the first quarter on their second drive, um, where it was clearly he it was all three things. He was not out of the tackle box. There was no one in the vicinity. I don't care what they said on TV. There was no one in the vicinity, and it didn't get to the line of scrimmage. It was the trifecta of uh, intentional grounding, and the refs were like, "Nah, it was. Uh, we're not going to call intentional grounding there." It's like, "What? It's okay, maybe they're just being, you know, liberal with how they're going to do intentional grounding." Then Kyle McCord gets one that is never intentional grounding. They were trying to throw a screen pass. They covered it, and he's getting hit, and they called intentional grounding on that. Um, and as bad as that was calling that on Kyle McCord, it was even worse not calling it on Tunga Vialoa. So that's one of the things. If I didn't like go back and look through my notes, I would have forgot about that. That was like, again, the definition of intentional grounding, and they don't call it. And they're, they're defending it on TV. Like, oh, yeah, there was a guy in the area. I mean, you're talking about the guy like in like double-A deck or whatever? Maybe B deck. There, no, there was nobody in there. That was the definition of intentional grounding. The only thing you can maybe say is, oh, he was outside the tackle box, but he wasn't. He wasn't outside the tackle box. He almost was. So just a disaster of a first quarter for Ohio State. You know, down seven nothing at the end of the first quarter. Then they get down ten nothing. They're down ten nothing. But they came back. So we learned that uh, despite all that. It looked awful. They really, I mean, they, it's, let's call a spade a spade. They looked awful in the first quarter, and they started to turn it around in the second quarter, 10, 10 all at half, and then Ohio State dominated the second half. And uh, 37 to 17, I'll take that. My prediction was 41 to 20. I'll take 37-17. Didn't look good early. It looked good late. I'll tell you who always looks good. Bill Curlick, the dean of Ohio State football recruiting. Dean, good to see you, my friend. Good afternoon, Dave. I um, was just wondering, were there any games on today? I was out doing yard work. and uh, I, I... I was watching the Reds. I think they're in the playoffs today. Did the Reds oh, yeah, I got to have to be off here in a few minutes to, to watch Cleveland in the playoffs, too. So we're going to have to go quick. Pro- yeah, probably. I mean, like our teams are going to meet in the World Series, right? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't like really much – at the all-star break, the Reds were in first place. Uh, even at the um, you know, the trading deadline, the Reds were in first place. So I assume that they won the central. Is that right? Yeah, as the old saying goes, there's always next year. Ignorance is bliss. All right. Before we get to recruiting, I want to talk mostly about recruiting. Where are you at with this game? You're a level-headed guy. I mean, I think I've been saying, hey, I mean, I'll take 37-17. That's the bottom line. But like, I think both things are true. They looked awful in the first quarter started to turn things around in the second quarter in my opinion and then dominated the second half Ohio State did what as you like just you take a, a whole like you know 30,000 foot view of this game where are you at well first of all I don't like heights so I don't want to take the view okay, that high okay. I was at the Grand Canyon a couple of weeks ago and that was a, that was a lot of fun it was a little dicey that's a lot of heights and a long way down to the bottom of that canyon but uh now, I, um, first of all, I, I think Maryland's pretty good. I, uh, you know, I know they weren't happy about not being in the top 25. I, I would put them in the top 25. Yeah. I think they're a pretty good football team. Um, and yeah. as you said, they came in and, and pretty much 
had their way in the first half in Ohio Stadium. And there aren't many teams that do that. So, yeah, first of all, kudos to Maryland. They're, they're a pretty decent team. Um, a couple things I thought. The fourth down and three were Maryland. I know it was fairly late in the game. Went for it on fourth and three inside their own 35-yard line with almost nine minutes to go to the game. That one kind of uh, surprised me. I, I know you say, well, you're, you're, you're not here to keep it close. You're here to win. But I don't know if I would have done that. And as it turns out, that probably did not help their cause any. Um, but uh, on the other side of things, I think you got to give a lot of credit to Jim Knowles and the defense. Um, Ryan Day made it really clear after last season that High State's got to stop giving up big plays or at least not very many of them. And that's been a huge turnaround. Maryland put some points on the board against Ohio State last year. That was kind of a shootout. And Jim Knowles, I, I know he's an aggressive coach, but he has really managed to figure out a way to limit the big plays. There just haven't been any. Now, we still got Penn State coming up. We still got the team up north coming up. Uh, Georgia, of course, was the other team that had some big plays on the board against Ohio State last year. So we'll see. But, it, you know, I'm impressed with Ohio State's ability to switch their philosophy maybe a little bit and limit those big plays. Um, Kyle McCord, if you would have asked me midway through that first quarter if he was going to throw for 300 yards in this game, I would have taken the under on that big time. Yep. And the guy comes through and uh, throws for th over 300 yards. I don't remember his exact stats, but I think he was one out of six at the beginning. And he didn't miss many passes after that. So I was impressed with that. Uh, on the negative side, though, boy, running the ball, that's still a challenge. And that worries me. Um, I, I just think they're going to have to improve the running game. And not sure how they're going to do that, to be honest. Um, some of the offensive line recruiting over the past few years is maybe catching up a little bit now. They, they just were having not been able to bring in enough elite offensive linemen in the past few years. And hopefully with their 2024 and 2025 classes, they, they can they can rectify that. They did get a couple of good ones last year. Uh, Luke Montgomery being one of them. But they've got to bring in more high level offensive linemen, in my opinion. You nailed it. I mean, yeah. I mean, the defense played great, and um, but the short yardage and just rushing game in general remains a massive concern. Um, I want to focus on the defense for just a moment, then we'll get to recruiting. Um, I'm glad you brought up how great the defense played because they did. I mean, people can say, well, what about this play? What about that play? Listen, like Tunga Vailoa is going to get his share of plays, but they picked him off twice. Um, they sacked him. They made life difficult for him. And to hold this Maryland team to 17 points, and really shut them down after that first quarter. Um, as you said, kudos to Jim Knowles. Kudos to, you know, I thought JT Tumalau played great. I thought Tyleek Williams played great. Um, Josh Proctor again, Lathan Ransom. Um, you know, kudos to this defense. They played really, really well. And they scored. You know, they anytime scored. the defense gets you a touchdown and limits the other team to 17 points, that means they netted limiting or netted 10 points. So that's pretty darn good. Holding them at 17 and getting seven of your own. All right, let's get to recruiting. What's like the main thing that we need to know about recruiting today? Well, you know, this weekend, Dave, has turned out to be a bigger weekend. If you'd asked me 
two or three weeks ago, I wasn't so sure this was going to be a real big weekend. But as it's turned out, it's a uh, it's a pretty decent sized weekend as far as high top of the top of the uh, higher board prospects, I guess you'd say. Maybe not the very top of the board guys, but some guys that are certainly high on the board. Um, it includes one official visit, Leroy Roker. He is a defensive back from Florida um, that got offered by Ohio State last week, got offered by my, the Miami Hurricanes last week, and had made an official visit to Iowa, who thought they were sitting pretty good. And then lo and behold, Ohio State and Miami offer the kid right after you host him on an official visit, you think you're getting him you may not feel that way anymore. So Leroy Roker is a safety making an official visit this weekend. And then the other 2024 guy is an interesting one, Dominique Kirks. He is from Northeast Ohio, Painesville, Riverside, and he is currently committed to the Washington Huskies. Not many guys go from Ohio out to Washington. High State hasn't offered him yet. We'll see how that goes. Uh, they offered Amaris Williams this past week. He's a, a Florida defensive end commitment who, I love that kid. He, he is really disruptive. Um, and, and I think that things are going to hinge on uh, Amaris Williams a little bit, but we'll see what happens with Dominique Kirks. And if Ohio State uh, does offer him soon and then would push to get to get him. I also think Ohio State could come out of this weekend with two to three defensive back commitments, maybe in the not too distant future. We'll see what Roker does, for instance. Uh, Blake would be Baltimore St. Francis, 2025 uh, cornerback and a really good one. He's on an unofficial visit to Ohio State this weekend. And just coincidentally, he's announcing his choice next weekend on uh, October 14th. So that could be one for Ohio State. And then Mark Zachary from Indiana, really good defensive back, really good corner, can play safety, uh, is another one. Uh, two other guys definitely want to mention uh, Avery Gatch. He is from that uh, state up north, he's from Michigan. And he is one of Ohio State's top 2025 offensive line uh, recruits or prospects and uh, visiting Ohio State today. So that is a big one. And then Eli Owens, a tight end H-back from Tennessee. Uh, he's another guy that I think very well could end up eventually in Ohio State's 2025 recruiting class. Nothing changed, I'm sure, today with offensive line recruiting as far as the 2024 class but um what can you tell us about uh maybe the final piece of the puzzle for the 2024 class for the offensive line for the Buckeyes two words Jordan Seaton. Jordan Seaton yeah <laughs> those are the two magic words right now but I always uh, I always say Ohio State when they need to create other options Mark Pantone and his staff do a great job of creating other options Nobody was talking about Amaris Williams. And then all of a sudden, Ohio State offers him a scholarship. He's a Florida commitment. He tells me that night that he got offered that I'm probably going to make an official visit to Ohio State. Uh, Ohio State had been talking to him for about a month, plus, a little over a month, and offers him. And he's now a guy very much in the running. But uh, back to the offensive line. Right now, Jordan Seaton's the guy. I think Ohio State and Alabama are probably the top two schools on his list right now, but he's still taking visits. And one of those visits is going to be to an official visit to Ohio State a little bit later in the season. And uh, he's the guy that they really want. He could put this class, as far as the offensive line group, they have committed over the top. So he's the big name right now. But again, if that doesn't work out, 
don't rule out Ohio State coming up with another option at some point. What do you make of Tavian St. Clair so far this year? I know Bell Fountain, he probably, I've heard, I haven't seen him play. Um, I heard he doesn't have that much around him. I saw, I used to cover Madison County football way back in the day. London was just okay back in the day. Now they're really good. They're like ranked like fifth in the state in D3. So he's lost to Coldwater, a D5 team, who's like one of the best teams in the state. They're like ranked like maybe like second in the state. London undefeated, they're ranked like fifth in the state. So those are his two losses. Um, but they got handled in both of those games. Like, what should Buckeye fans think about Tavian St. Clair season so far, Bill? Well, I will, by the way, be seeing him against another good program next weekend. I'm going to go to the uh, Bell Fountain at Jonathan Alder, Plain City Jonathan Alder game. And they, Speaking they of Madison County football. Speaking yeah. of Madison County football, Jonathan Alder. Yeah, they got a good program. And I'll be at that game, so I'll see him take on another good team. But um, uh, Tavian – he, he doesn't quite have the supporting cast overall that he did last year when they went eight and two, I believe. And when they went to playoffs and they were eight and two before losing in the playoffs, uh, you know, you, but you look at him and he is absolutely the real deal. He is six foot four. He's about 215 pounds, has a great arm, makes every throw you can want a quarterback to make. Um, in a way, he reminds me a little bit, Dave, of a guy you kind of like, Joe Burrow, in that Tavian is not a – he is a throw-first quarterback. And this, I said this about Joe Burrow when he was in high school. Joe is a throw-first quarterback that could run, and Tavian's the same way. He can run. He's athletic, and he's got enough speed. But he, he wants to keep the play alive, first of all, first and foremost, long enough to make the play passing – that's his first goal, and he is really good at that. Um, great arm. Just tremendous improvement from last year to this year. When I saw him last summer to this summer, uh, he's a guy that I think uh, high state fans are going to be very, very happy with in a few years. So a lot of people have asked me, I'm sure people have asked you, like about Michigan State and like, you know, flipping not just Michigan State like uh, commits, but uh, guys that are currently on the team in the portal. I look at Michigan State's roster, correct me if I'm wrong, like even a guy like J.D. Duplain, I think could play here. I don't even think he would start right now, even if he'd be eligible immediately, which he wouldn't be. Do you see anybody on Michigan State's roster that you think would be a good fit at Ohio State? Are you hearing anything, including um, recruits that are still in high school? Well, um, Ohio State has been on top of that situation, and as they always are. Right. They do a great job of figuring out where potential coaching changes might come up and that that one came up and uh, they are uh, definitely looking and have been looking at that situation and I've looked at that situation I agree with you I'm not sure JD Duplain I think he's a he's a good offensive lineman I'm not sure that he would necessarily be able to come in and start right away but he's somebody that I would certainly look at um, and I know High State is looking at their roster and We'll see who gets in the portal from that school. But I think that uh, there will be at least a couple guys at Ohio State will take a look at. And the places you mentioned, or we, you know, we know about, Dave, you might want to look on the offensive line. You might want to look at defensive ends. Uh, those are kind of positions of need for Ohio State still in their 2024 recruiting class. I'll get you out of here on this. This is both like a, this is a little too much. Greg is not a big Justin Fry fan on Facebook, <laughs> but we do have a lot of people in the comment section who are nonplussed about 
the job that Justin Fry is doing as O-line coach and as he's also the run game coordinator. I mean, it's not just he's the O-line coach. He's also the run game coordinator. What's the biggest problems right now? The running game and the offensive line. And recruiting-wise, if he doesn't get Jordan Seaton, okay, so you got the you know guys in Ohio. You got a guy from Indiana. Uh, missed out on Brandon Baker. I mean, where are you at on Justin Fry? Because I've talked him up. I've talked him up. Where are you at on Justin Fry as an O-line coach, run game coordinator, and as a recruiter? I think you've got to give him a little more time. I don't think uh, – I, I know our fans can, on occasion, maybe be a little bit impatient. Maybe, maybe. But I think you've you've got to give him a little bit more time. Um, he, I think he's got Ohio State in on some pretty good 2025 offensive linemen. Ohio State – is in, I think, great shape. I crystal balled him to Ohio State. Uh, Carter Lowe, I know he's in Ohio and he's from Toledo, but still, uh, you got to keep those guys in state. The the great players, you got to keep them in state, and they're in good position there. Matty Augustine from Connecticut is another guy that I think they're in pretty decent uh, position with. And there's a few few others that I think Ohio State is in pretty good position to land for the 2025 class. Um, The 2024, you got the the uh, Armstrong twins, Devante and Deontay, I think they both can be very good. It's going to take a little time, but uh, to me, they're both legitimate four-star guys. And Ian Moore out of Indiana, I saw him at camp. He is a legitimate mid to high four-star offensive tackle prospect. And I like, I like him a lot, but three's not enough. They, they, Jordan Seaton, he is a huge need. They, they've got to do better than that. And I think, uh, I, I think, you know, High State knows that uh, uh, they they've got to up their up their game in the offensive line recruiting. And if it doesn't happen in 2025, then we'll kind of I'll, I'll be uh, wondering myself some. But let's let's give him a little more time here. All right, let's give you no more time because I've already kept <laughs> you maybe a little longer than what I expected. Uh, I said 10 to 15 minutes. This is about 15 minutes exactly. Um, appreciate your insights, Bill, on both the game and. Uh, of course, recruiting, you are the best in the business. Um, you're a great man. And uh, get back to watching some football and calling recruits. <laughs> yeah, just like you, Dave. Saturdays, especially when it's a home game, those are work days. So a lot of guys to talk to and get their – I'm going to uh, be interested to get their vibes on uh, this game from being in the horseshoe today. And so, and we'll have that on Bucknuts either later today or first thing on Sunday morning. Looked like a good environment, and the weather cooperated too. So, overall, a little drizzle doesn't hurt anybody. So, great stuff from the Dean. Check his stuff out on Bucknuts. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate it, my friend. Take care. There he goes, the one and only Bill Curlick, the Dean of Ohio State Football Recruiting. He's fantastic, is he not? He's awesome. All right, we're going to hear from Patrick Murphy and Steve Hellwagon after post-game interviews, which is pro- they're probably going on right now. I'm watching the – not really watching it. I have the A&M-Bama game on, 3-all. A&M at home against Bama. I thought Bama might come in there and take it to them. A&M hanging in there pretty well. 3-all, end of the first – near the end of the first quarter. But don't worry about that. You guys can have that on the background like me. Focus on what we learned live. All right, I'm going to get to some of your – questions that I've earmarked here. Um, I'll get to many more of your questions after the show, or not after the show, at the end of the show. I did star a few questions here. Jim on Facebook, 
Do I think the O-line can be improved this season or even next? Seems more like a two-season rebuild. It's interesting. Like, my gut reaction is, can it be fixed? I mean, but then you think back to 2014. I remember thinking that offensive line looked garbage to me in 2014. Um, and then by the end of the year, they're pushing around Alabama. You know, so you never know. I mean, I, I you know, I, Justin Fry's always Im- impressed me the way he talks football, you know, and, and just his pedigree. But, um, you know, the proof's in the pudding. Last year, they were good. They still maybe weren't as good as I expected, and that was with three NFL draft picks on that offensive line, including the you know the best offensive lineman in the country in Paris Johnson Jr. NFL thought he was the best offensive lineman in the country, despite what the Outland Award believed. Can it be fixed? Yes. Will it be to be determined? Like I, you know, I would err on the side of saying I don't think it's going to be fixed, but I'm not ruling it out. I mean, they've got talent up there. I mean, Donovan Jackson's a former five star. So to answer your question, can it get fixed? Yes, it can. Again, Greg is not on the uh, – getting a lot of Justin Fry comments. I hear a bill – I mean, we're like less than a year, year and a half into his tenure. The recruiting misses prior to him are not his fault. But, I mean, even right now, are we see, I'm not seeing much on the recruiting trail that impresses me. You better get guys from Ohio. Okay, you better get a guy from Indiana, neighboring state. When you're – when you yourself are from Indiana and played at Indiana. So I, none of his gets so far have impressed me. I mean, Luke Montgomery's the best one, and he's from Ohio. You know? I don't know, man. Missed out on Brandon Baker. You can give all your excuses. But, I mean, last time I checked, I mean, the, the wide receivers get NIL deals too, and Brian Hartland doesn't miss. Another O-line comment. Buckeye 80. Yep, offensive line needs to run block better. Yes, yes. I like Chip. I thought, you know, I mean, obviously we learned that Travion was out this game. Um, I am being told it is actually a minor injury by my guys on the on the ground there. So I was like, I was texting Pat and Steve. I'm like, is this really, they're saying it's a minor, is this really a minor injury? Because there was some like chatter. It could have been something else because he was like sprinting full speed and warmups. And they're saying, yeah, it is. They just felt like they could win this game without him. No reason to risk it, and they won this game without him. But, yeah, I mean, I thought the run blocking was not good. I don't put that on chip. All right, finally, a non-O-line question slash comment. Paul on Facebook. McCord needs to improve, Paul says. His accuracy is not where it should be. I agree. You see flashes of it. I mean, at times he reminds me of kind of like a Bobby Hoying, Joe Germain kind of, you know, when they're on, you know, when they were on, they weren't always on. I mean, look at, go back and look at some of Bobby Hoying's film, his third year, even his fourth year, uh, his redshirt sophomore year, and then his third year or fourth year junior season. Then Bobby Hoying was really good as a fifth year senior. Um, Reminds me a little bit of those guys sometimes, especially Hoying. Um, But he's under throwing too many guys. He was fortunate today the stats are so misleading for mccord um i mean the two best examples as i mentioned earlier the long pass to marvin one of the long passes not the one to the sideline that was a good throw and a hell of a catch by marv that was a good throw so that's what i mean like we see flashes of it maybe even more than flashes we see it like half the time like oh damn that was an nfl throw and then it's like geez he underthrew marv by about 10 yards there he's lucky marv was open by about 15 yards um, and then the one to Julian should have been a walk-in touchdown. I mean, a good high school quarterback makes that throw. 
He's lucky that was even complete. Julian did a good job of getting under it and getting his arms under it and getting that long. So it didn't matter. They ended up scoring. I believe they got a touchdown there, didn't they? Correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe it was a field goal. I think they punched that one in, though. But um, I agree, Paul. He's, he's got to be more accurate. The, the stats are misleading. I'm not down on McCord. He's This is kind of what I expected, you know, that they were going to have to – although the running game's not what I expected. Um I thought they have a that have a stronger running game. I, I was hoping the defense would play like this. So I'm not down on McCord. Um, but now looking with this running game, he's gonna have to play better than what I thought he'd have to play. I said he'd have to play good, maybe not great for them to achieve their goals. He might need to play great for them to achieve their goals if this running game doesn't get fixed. I mean, Justin Fry's got to get on that. From YouTube, LG. This is the reason why we don't like. Well, we don't get top offensive line recruits because our offensive line plays like trash, says LG. And the coach isn't coaching them up. More shout-outs for Justin Fry. Let me go through some more of my notes. We'll get to more of your questions later. Again, I, I mean, geez, a phantom grounding penalty on, on Kyle McCord. I still don't get that one. Tell me if I'm wrong on that. I mean, I, that was a phantom grounding penalty. It was clearly a screen pass. You never see that called in football. I'll tell you what, that one official near Ryan Day, there he was trying to make it personal. He called a you know a penalty on day. And then there was the phantom penalty. Um, what was it? What do you call it? Like a pick or something? Uh, or a, no, no, it was a, it, it was a, a, a legal motion or a legal formation or whatever, because like Xavier's trying to get a jump on the play. They never call that. Ohio State was running that all game. Joel Clad even talked about that on the broadcast. Um, Joel Clad also talked up Mike Loxley's. Um, clock management, how great it was when it was terrible. Mike Loxley put on a clinic of what not to do for clock management. Then one time he made a good decision, and Joel Klatt's like, going, what a great job. Mike Loxley, Mike Loxley, such a great coach. Look at that. It's like um, he put on a clinic of what not to do as far as clock management in the first half. But um, but that official, man, that guy, I mean, you can't, I mean, that talk about childish. I mean, it clearly was like some type of like personal vendetta he had against Ryan Day. The beauty of that was Marvin's hair. Marvin's touchdown gets called back, uh, which was complete BS. And then the next play, they just get a, a five-yard longer touchdown to Marvin. So that was poetic justice. And the Buckeyes able to go down and, and add, add a field goal to make it look really good. If you're a, of the betting persuasion, Buckeyes, the, the spread, um, it locked in at 17 at kickoff. Buckeyes favored by 17. They were originally favored by 20, all the way down to 17 with Travion out. And if you had bet on Maryland, you were loving life there for a while. And then Ohio State ends up covering the spread. So that's pretty funny. But, yeah, that official, that was ridiculous. I'm glad they called him out. I mean, it's pretty rare you have, like, the the network officials. Not just saying that was a bad call, but really calling out his integrity. Saying that that, that official is making it personal with Ryan Day. I mean, good on Joel Klatt for that. He made up for that talking up Mike Loxley. I mean, the end of the first half was everything not to do. I'm not even just talking about the final play of the first half, which was terrible. And you can blame that on Tunga Vailoa. That's fine. But if you're the head coach, you need to make sure you tell your quarterback, do not throw the ball over the middle. Either throw it out of bounds, throw it in the end zone. If you throw it to anybody, make sure they get out of bounds. You run, you get out of bounds. Do not get sacked. Do not get tackled in bounds. Do not throw it over the middle where your guy can get tackled. We have no timeouts and only a few seconds left. That's on the head coach. Even though you can say it's on the quarterback, fine. Still on the head coach. Because um, you've got to tell your quarterback that. First and foremost, worst case, you kick a field goal there. 
before that, go walk back and watch before they ran out, but when they still had two timeouts left, go back and watch uh, Maryland's second timeout of the second half late. They let like 30 seconds go off the clock before they called timeout fine with like 10 seconds left on the play clock. And even then they're like, oh, good timeout by Maryland there to make sure they didn't drain the play clock down. I'm like, uh, they drained it down like 30 seconds. So then even Tunga Vailoa's stupid play at the end wouldn't have mattered if they had those 30 seconds back. He took another time. Their last timeout wasn't a good timeout either. So you burn two terrible timeouts to save like 10 seconds. And then you have that play at the end of the first half. I mean, Mike Loxley, I tell you what, I mean, Mike Loxley helped him out. Tungo Vailoa for a lot of the game was Ohio State's second best offensive player. Marvin Harrison was the best. And then Tungo Vailoa was the second best. Just that pick six to Josh Proctor and kudos to Proc. I say that tongue in cheek, but man. Tell you what, man, Maryland helped them out because early on it looked like Maryland was clearly the better team, and Maryland's up 10-0. And from there, Ohio State took care of business. Get down 10-0, win the game 37 to 17. You'll take that every time. 37 to 7 after the terrible start. And give Maryland some credit. Give Maryland some credit. That's a good team. Are they a well-coached team? No. Are they a talented team? Yes. 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 I I mean, I would take, you know, I'm Tunga Vailoa, to me, even though like he you know, had some shaky moments today, I still think he's better than Drew Aller at this stage. I think Aller is going to be a good one down the road. At this stage, I think Tunga Vailoa is better, and I think he's better than J.J. McCarthy. So that was a that was a good, really good job by Ohio State's defense. Really good job. Hell of a job by Marvelous. The Marvelous one. It's a huge game by Marvin Harrison. When I was thinking, foolishly thinking he might be on a pitch count, he might not play. You know, as much. And maybe that was going to be the plan if they, you know, if this wasn't a dogfight. Um, Ohio State ended up winning comfortably if you look at the score. But, I mean, we all know that wasn't a comfortable win. Um, let's check it with my boys at uh, post-game interviews. Let's see how things are going. See how close they are to wrapping, wrapping things up. Hopefully, and it sounds like a Mecca is okay, but we're going to find out for sure. And I'm sure that's one of the things they're talking about at post-game interviews. But, um, yeah, it looked like he banged his knee, which obviously is painful, but um, as we were talking about earlier, but uh, if it's just a knee contusion, I will take that because don't need losing that stud. All right, so we're going to hear from Patrick Murphy and Steve Hellwagon after post-game interviews. I'll let you guys know an ETA on that. Um, but, again, I mean, JT Tumulowau, great game out of him, and Tyleek Williams, those two are really stepping up. And I thought Mike Hall played well as well. I was even saw you know I saw Jack Sawyer set the edge a few times. Jack Sawyer did some things that don't didn't show up in the box score that were, were solid today. We've all been kind of hard on Jack Sawyer, myself included. Not like I've never ripped him. I'm just saying like he's not playing up to five star status, and and he's not. But today I thought Jack Sawyer played solid. He played good football, setting the edge, doing what you, you need to do, not trying to chase the play and getting out of you know your lane, like doing what you're supposed to do. Assignment sound football. I saw that out of Jack Sawyer today. I haven't rewatched the game yet. I've rewatched plays, but I haven't rewatched the entire game yet, obviously. But I will, and I will do a story on the site on what called what we learned after I rewatched the game. Cade Stover continues to be a weapon for this team. Love this defense. By the way, there was one play, and you guys can go back and watch. There was a play that there was an incomplete pass that Tunga Vailoa threw in the end zone to Jordan Hancock's man. Go back and watch that play. 
Hancock was play, going to play like press coverage against the slot receiver. Davison Igbenosin is like adamantly going back up, back up, back up. It's like he knew exactly what we were, they were doing. Hancock backs up. They throw to Hancock's man in the end zone. Davison Igbenosin called that play. That was a great job by Igbenosin. Let's welcome in Patrick Murphy to the show. Patrick from Ohio Stadium. How was Emeka Buka first and foremost? Uh, I think he will be okay. Uh, Ryan Day said after the game that they were still evaluating him, but that they didn't think it was anything long-term. As I was walking off the field at the end of the game, he was talking to somebody and said, I'll be all right. Um, looks like they did tape his ankle up, but, you know, we just saw Marvin Harrison Jr. play with a pretty bad ankle injury and, and toughed it out. So uh, I think he'll be all right. Uh, certainly wasn't a pleasant one, though. Did you say ankle? They taped his ankle up? That's what it looked like. I couldn't tell if it was. Oh, it was a knee. Pre- it was, okay, okay, well, he, he definitely had ankle his one ankle taped. Maybe he had that coming into the game. Um, but, yeah, it sounded like he'd be all right. He was limping a little bit, but, you know, they let him stay on the field. They never took his helmet away. So, I you know, I think it's going to be something he'll have to deal with, but doesn't sound like it's anything long-term. Your biggest takeaway from this game, is it the lackadaisical start from Ohio State? Is it the lack of running game, or is it the strong play from the defense, or something else? Um, I think you could touch on any of those, really. Look, they certainly did not start well. Ryan Day was perplexed, is the word I would use by that. Uh, I think you could see that on television from uh, – from when they kept cutting to him, even after the game, asked about it. He said, you know, he didn't see anything in practice that would have led to that. He doesn't know what the issues were, but was glad that they figured things out in the second half. I think it's positive that they were able to figure things out. I was writing something as we were watching about how, you know, dire this was and whether this was real. And then they turn around the second half and Kyle McCord only throws three incompletions and two touchdowns. And you know, so you can see what this potential of this offense is when it's clicking. Now, the run game, as you mentioned, certainly uh, an issue. Ryan Day was asked about that. He said he it's something he's going to have to take a look at, whether it's the way they're coaching it, whether it's the personnel, um, you know, whether, you know, they need to change something with the offensive line. I think you've got to get this going, and it can't just be because Travion Henderson breaks a 60-yard run and makes everything look okay. You have to be able to run the ball, and they've got to be able to do it better. I think there's a number of issues there, and and clearly it's not just one back. Um, but and then you mentioned defense. I thought the defense was was very good. I think they they turned it up. The run game uh, was getting them a little bit in the first half, but you know to get two interceptions, almost had a third. I think it was Steel Chambers late in the game. That, that's certainly a positive. Um, coming out of this game, I would say I'm still just kind of unsure of what this team is right now like i think down the road tim may says me too uh down the road when you have to play penn state and michigan teams like that this type of performance won't be good enough you'll you'll end up getting beat and they're gonna have to figure some things out we got a pretty big audience in here, which I appreciate you guys. Say hi to everybody, Patrick. we got a pretty big audience in here, which I really appreciate everybody making time uh, here on What We Learn Live. Um, a lot of, dare I say, half of the comments, questions are about Justin Fry and the running game. People are, are not happy with Justin Fry, and I, I don't blame them. This is not his first year. It's his second year, and I get it. The previous recruiting misses are not his fault, but, like, 
I don't know, man. I mean, they've got enough talent. Donovan Jackson's a former five star. You know, I mean, they've got they've got talent on that line. I'm not saying it's great. Like, um, and, and he's also the run game coordinator. So, like, do you agree with some of our comments on Justin Fry? Where are you at on Justin Fry? Yeah, it's certainly not. You know, I thought this year there would be a step. Obviously, the offensive line is an issue. Um, you know, they, they went to the portal to get a tackle. They had to wait until after spring. The guy they brought in and, and Josh Simmons is playing fine, but you know, I think if we were making jokes before the, uh, the post-game press conference started, if you could use the portal mid-season, I think they might. Uh, and it may not just be to, to replace Josh Simmons. I, I think there are guys making mistakes across the offensive line. You know, and you'd have to look at kind of the grades out there, but the uh, you know Matthew Jones may be the best offensive lineman this year. I think he may be the most consistent, at least. It's certainly an issue, and you know when you have the offensive line coach, who's also the run game coordinator, and the run game isn't going. I mean, this is the lowest now. You know, they obviously still have games, but. This is as low as they've been, I think, rankings-wise in rushing under Ryan Day. Um, obviously, you know, at more, you know, that could change by the end of the season. But in terms of the rankings, I, they're about as bad as I can remember. And I was looking at it before, and I think it's as bad as it's been. So, you know, I, I, I think, what, halftime you had 16 rushing yards? Like, that can't happen. And so you know, I don't envision a midseason change, and I don't think – you're going to see Justin Fry leave this program after this year because I do think Ryan Day has confidence in him, um, but it certainly hasn't panned out the way that I expected in year two, like you said. Well, yeah, they're buddies, which gives me a flashback to the Trestle era and even some of the stuff that Urban did. Urban, yeah. Built with Bill Davis. I mean, I, you know, hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully it wasn't just like him and Ryan Day are buddies and that's why he got the job. I mean, he was. It wasn't like they got him like he was like some grad assistant three ranks was the offensive coordinator and o-line coach at ucla but for yeah. chip kelly another ryan day guy so i don't know it just reminded me of too much of a friends and family hiring so when people are not complaining about uh, justin fry um they are complaining about parker fleming i had this in my notes as well as i said earlier on the show it's like it reminds me of um the show office space or the, the movie office space where it was like you know what would you say you do here like, I mean, he gets paid a half million dollars. And it's like this special team, the special teams are like not good. And like, you can blame the long snapper. I don't know. By the way, what did they say it was a fake punt or was it on the long snapper? And what the heck is Parker Fleming doing? It is. It was not a fake punt. It was a bad snap. I went back and looked at it and I thought for sure it was a fake punt because it looked like the offensive line was blocking a certain way. But that was a very bad uh, play if it was not. I'm going to have you wait and ask Steve about Parker Fleming because he has some thoughts on the special teams that we were uh, discussing in the during the game. Um, so I'm going to say, look, I'll, I'll just say this. It's certainly not good. Um, you know, you, you have very little in the return game on both punt and kick returns. You know, I do uh, after the games each week, I do uh, what I call the stat pack, which has where they're ranking in a bunch of different categories. The special teams are always, you know, they're, they're 100% on field goals and extra points, I guess. But other than that, the special teams are, are not highly ranked. So, you know, I look, I don't think you need to be elite at special teams other than making field goals um, to, to be really good. We've seen that with Ohio State teams in the past, but it needs to be better, that's for sure. But, yeah, get Steve on that one. You might be able to do a whole podcast. I can't wait for that. I like the tease there. We're going to hear from Hellwagon in just a minute. Uh, but I will say this. Jaden Fielding's good. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And look, you ended last season on a missed field goal, right? So you're pretty happy that your kicker is uh, hitting at 100%. Now, he hasn't uh, he hasn't had to kick a long one in the game yet. I don't know what his long is this season, but he hasn't had uh, a big one. But we did see in practice before the Georgia game last year, I think it was like a 63-yard field goal he hit in practice. So he's got a leg on him when they need him to. Now, obviously, that's practice. That's not a game. I wouldn't have put him out there in a college football playoff semifinal take his first field goal from 50 yards, but I think he's got it in him. Thank you, Patrick Murphy. Appreciate it, my friend. Great stuff. Thanks, guys. He is Patrick Murphy. We will hear from Steve Hellwagon in just a moment. Apparently, Steve uh, has some thoughts on the special teams. Looking forward to that. As you guys know, Steve is not one to hold back, so – Already looking forward to that. Patrick with the tease. Steve better come strong after that tease. Better not be like, well, you know, they can improve. I got to go back and watch this game. There's been some Josh Fryer comments. GOJ, Josh Fryer looked lost, he says. He was blocking the back of his own teammates. Oh, boy. Not good. You know what? I mean, And that, that, you know, that's on Fryer. I'm not saying it's not on him, but it, it, some percentage of that is on coaching as well. I'm not seeing that at Justin Fry. All right. Steve Hellwagon joins us live from Ohio Stadium. He needs to get <laughs> Apparently, Ohio State used to try and play special teams. I don't know if they still do, Steve Hellwagon. We'll give him a minute. We'll give Steve just a minute to get set up here before we hear his uh, thoughts on the special teams. Yeah, I mean, boom. A lot of people with the shout-outs to Parker Fleming. Jim Jackson saying the offensive line needs improvement. We have to give credit to how much of a difference maker Travion Henderson is. Jim Jackson on Facebook. Heck of a basketball player for the Buckeyes back in the day. Oh, that's not the same Jimmy Jackson. We're going to pretend like it is. Yeah, I mean, Travion's had a good year, and he missed the game today. I'm glad you brought that up, Jim, because um, you got to give Travion his props. He took a lot of heat from fans, and he missed the game today. Um, Steve, you let me know when you're ready, man. I think I'm halfway fired up right now. Before I ask you about um, special teams, like, what's – give me the – I asked Patrick about this well. What's the latest with uh, Travion Henderson? A lot of people were saying, oh, he is he really hurt? What, what are you hearing about Travion? Well, all I can go by is what Coach Day said afterward is that uh, he could have played today, but he would have run the risk of aggravating whatever the injury is. Uh, didn't really get specifics on even what this injury is, uh, if it's his foot again or or what it might be. We, we don't even know. So, um, so they decided to look big picture and not go through what they went through last year, which is playing him hurt. And he never did get fully healthy or fully healed. And, uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they hold him out of Purdue next week as well, if they feel like they can get through Purdue without him and have him ready to go for Penn State. Again, uh, Coach Day talked about like he would be ready for next week if need be. But, um, you know, I can't say that um, – everything with the running game is just because Travion Henderson didn't play. I think Maryland had a very good plan defensively. They're a pretty rugged team and uh, they stacked the box to stop the run. 
some of the play calling was just absolutely I, I don't even I don't even know after several games of seeing the square peg trying to fit into a round hole you just kind of realize eventually square peg is not going to go into round hole I mean they keep running sh- Trianum short side Trianum short side Trianum short side for one two one zero three you know nothing nothing and you know who's in charge of this it, it can I see whoever's in charge because uh this <laughs> this, your manager. this is just this is just not acceptable this is not Ohio State football and yeah. uh, you know they got through it today I think they wore Maryland down eventually, uh, which they're going to do to nine teams out of 10. There's a couple teams out there that that's not going to work against. And um, I, every game I come out of this, I say they got to play better. And if they want to beat Penn State, they got to play much better than this. They want to beat Michigan. They got, I mean, they play Penn State or Michigan, you're down 21, you're down 20 to nothing today. Maryland just yep. didn't have didn't have what it and took to take advantage of it. And, and you, you ain't, ain't coming, coming back. back on the, and you ain't coming right. back. You ain't right. coming back unless unless you throw it up for grabs for Marvin again six more times and let him go bail your ass out. It it just Even then, yeah. you know it just it it just defies it just defies description what we saw here today in so many regards. I the first half was there are words that I could use that I don't like to use, and uh, twenty years ago I would have used a word to describe this. It's not politically correct to use that word anymore in regards to anything for what people normally think of it what it pertains to but that's what the first half here today was it was that word it was a team that wasn't ready didn't have its head in the right place wasn't physical terrible coaching terrible decision making terrible play calling uh anything that could go wrong did go wrong i guess it wasn't a fake punt they said the the snap i've never seen this a snap magically goes out of the long snapper's hand right to the up back, but it wasn't a fake punt, apparently. I, I've never seen that. I don't even know what that is. I've never heard of that. It, it hadn't rained yet. I, I don't even know what that is. What is that? Um, this is screwed first, up a punt in the Michigan game last year that pretty much cost them that. Who knows if that goes well, well that they, they might win the your, game. This but is go, your go all-star, all-star long snapper, Furlman, though. I mean, there's, there's yeah. not supposed to be any mistakes with Furlman. But so, Parker Fleming, though, this, the special teams are just a mess under his watch. What, well, what do you I, t- I tweeted out, you have a Mecca Buca standing on like the 35-yard line, and you need, you're need you down. You need a good return. Get it to the 50. Get it to plus territory. Make a guy miss. There's nobody around, and he's out here just fielding it. Well, then they hold somebody. They hold somebody on a fair-caught punt. Not even one that's returned. There's no holding after he's caught it. Now I've got to grab a hold of somebody so he doesn't tackle him. These dumbasses are are holding people running down the field. This is the dream team that they scream about it. Dream team. You know, whatever, whatever it is. It it's so bad you can't even you can't even quantify it. Okay. Hold on a fair cut punt. That's how you lose games. Stupid things like that. That puts them back at the 13-yard line. Good luck, 87 yards. Good luck. Good luck with all that. Then they punt it the other direction. Guy fields it in traffic. There's a Ohio State guy standing right here. Does he fair catch it? No. Not only that, he gets like a 20-yard return, and now they're in plus territory. You can. Oh, and uh, they they had a penalty on that. They had uh, five men in the backfield, illegal formation on a punt. 
and you give him an extra five yards and now it's in plus territory? Are you kidding me? This guy, and he's making it's a half million gimmick. dollars. Where, where did they put, Is he like a capital or something? The whole, the whole thing they get him from? I don't know. The whole thing was in, he was in house as like the coffee guy. And then they made, him, the coffee they, guy. Made him, they made him the special teams coach. And I, I personally am not as down on the special teams of the whole, but that, that was endemic of this team today. Didn't have their head screwed on straight, played with their head up their ass for 30 minutes, and were lucky to whatever the halftime score was. I don't know, 10 7, 10 10. Who, I don't even 10 10. Yep. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> Michigan has them down 31 to 10 after that type of a half. Let me just clue you in. Michigan has you down 31 to 10. Mike Loxley, Mike Loxley was like, okay, I see your blitz on third. He, Jim Knowles pulled the same dumbass blitz on third and eight, pinned him back deep in their own territory as he did against Michigan. And guess what? Tagovailoa made him pay, converted it, moved on down the field. Lucky for them, though, on fourth and whatever, they put the backup quarterback in the game, and he tries to run it uh, on an empty quarterback draw. Everybody in the stadium knew that was what – he wasn't going to throw it. Is that guy going to throw it? The backup quarterback's going to throw it in that situation? No. So Mike Loxley was like, I see your dumbass decision on third and eight pinned us back deep in our own end, and I raise you a fourth down quarterback draw with the backup quarterback in an empty formation that everyone in the stadium knows he's going to keep it, and we got no game. So I don't know, Dave. I, you know, they win 37-17. Texas loses, I guess. Again, I, I've been a bunker here. I have no idea what's going on in the outside world other than I think Texas lost. And so Ohio State's going to move up to number three. And it's like, are they really the number three team in America? Not in the first half today. They're like the number 43 team in America in the first half. In the second half, they played like the number three team in America. Complimentary offense, defense. The defense, I give Jim Knowles a bunch of crap, but they did it. They did a number on Maryland in the second half, and uh, to me, they they played outstanding football. And for Proctor to finally catch one and bring it back to the house in a that was a Hooker versus Michigan type touchdown pick six because that they needed that desperately. They needed to flip the energy. I mean, there was nothing going on here at Ohio Stadium. You could hear a pin drop. There was nothing happening here until he makes that play, kind of flips the energy a little bit. And uh, Lincoln Ransom had one later. JT Tui Maloal had a sack and was pressuring the quarterback. Uh, a lot of good things happened. That first half, Ohio State was 1 of 7 on third down. Maryland was like 6 of 9, something, 6 of 10. You know, Ohio State had six penalties for 50 yards. Maryland had one for five. So if it could go wrong in the first half, it did. Thankfully, Ohio State played four times better in the second. I'll get you out of here. I want to. Uh, people are wondering about Emeka Buka. We touched on this early in the show. We're going to get Steve's comments on that. I will say one thing, Steve. I agree. Like Ohio State doesn't look like typically in a normal season the number three team in the country. But I don't, I don't think see, it's a normal season. <laughs> I don't see an elite team, so I'm okay with no, that. Like, it's it's like not Ohio a normal State, season. They, I mean, everybody's flawed. If Ohio State can just stay healthy and like win close games, um, they're, they have just as good a shot as anybody, in my opinion. Hey, credit to yeah, Maryland. This is, the the best, this is the best Maryland team in 20 years. So uh, 
Tago Vailoa, he is for real. He showed me so much today. Uh, you know, they, they came up a play or two short of really grabbing control of this game at the wrong time. You know, they just they they they, they did some dumb things and and uh, you know gave it back to Ohio State. Uh, Mecca Abuka, he said after the game, coach did. He doesn't feel it's a serious injury. Uh, needs to be evaluated. Um, I don't know you, from watching the TV. Was it his ankle? What happened? I, 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 I thought don't it was know. his knee. Pat was saying <laughs> that he thought his ankle was getting taped. I thought it was his knee, and they said it was a knee contusion. Okay. Which well, I was thrilled when they said that because I'm thinking, man, knee contusion. Not that that's fun, but man, I was I'm just glad it wasn't like an ACL or even like. I agree. Ankle. I agree. I want to I want to know more. I guess about what's going on, and probably we'll have to wait till Tuesday to get the lowdown. But uh, you know. Um, Great to see Fleming make a play or two. Great to see Kate Stover make a play or two as well. Kate Stover was huge. He helped pull their bacon out of the fire once again today with a couple big catches and when they had to have them. And, uh, you know, all's well that ends well, Dave. The, the, uh, any, any, as John Cooper, you say, goes in the left-hand column, guys. Goes in the left-hand column. So I thought about that saying quite a bit. Five uh, and oh. Yeah. Five, speaking of five and oh, uh, Ryan Day, five oh. That's 50 for him. Uh, in, 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 I guess he, he is tied for like the fifth or sixth fastest coach since 1970 to get to 50 wins nationally in his career with guys like Dennis Erickson and, you know, some other really, really, uh, good, good coaches that were on that list. Maybe even Barry Switzer may have been on that list. Jimmy Johnson, 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 yes. Some, some real top of the line dudes. So, uh, that one piss, piss pot full of games. So, I think that's what we're looking at with this guy here, RD here at Ohio State. But uh, second fastest at Ohio State, the 50. Urban did it in 54 games. His first four seasons combined, just you know, contained 50 and four. And I was joking with my friends today. Uh, you know, Coop, he went four, six, and one in his first season in 1988. And not far from here at St. John Arena, one of my friends, his dad had a van. And it was decked out, Ohio State fan. It was in the buyer's commercials because they tricked it out for him. And then they put it in commercials. And we would tailgate there every game outside St. John Arena. They still bring it to the games 35 years later. That's all it's used for is to come up here to Columbus from Circleville. And I told my friends, Coop went 4-6-1 and one that first year. And now here's Day in his fifth year only has six losses. And it just kind of puts it all in perspective. You know, we didn't. We didn't have winning football in the late 80s here. We didn't. We had each other. We had togetherness. We had beer. We had that, we had that van. That's what we had. And when we, when we saw success in college football, it was when we were at the beer stube on North High Street watching it on television, watching Notre Dame win a big game and Florida State win a big game and Miami win a big game and Michigan and you know, USC and all these teams in the late 80s that won championships, you know, winning games, you know, on that when we wanted to see winning college football, we had to watch other teams play on television. So that'll just tell you uh, where where things have come from in Ohio State lore in 35 years that uh, now, you know, a three-loss season, you know, they'd burn this place down <laughs> if they lost three games in one season. So – it's come a long way. Steve, great stuff. The people in the comments are loving it. I'm loving it too. You've been <laughs> wrong. I love that you didn't don't hold back. I love it. Great job, Gotta Steve. Gotta get better, it. dude. Gotta get better because this isn't gonna pass. 
This is 10 and 2 right. if they don't get better. That's nope. what this is. Absolutely. So. You can't have this product on the field against Got to be able to run the freaking football, Dave. Yep. Got to have to. 62 yep. yards on 33 carries. Woody is doing bed spins. This isn't right. This isn't right. Yep, you can beat Maryland at home like this. You can beat Maryland by 20 at home like this. You ain't going to beat Penn State and Michigan like this. Just think if the weather's bad next week at Purdue. Just just, just think, you know, we've been there. They never have any problems at ross Aid Stadium, though. No, no, it's always a place you go in and win 50 to nothing. Yeah. Smooth, you can just go out there and just throw your helmets on the field and, like, the Boilermakers are just like, hey, that's what it looked like today. Look, look like they just tried to throw the helmets on the field today, Dave, and, you know, thankfully, you know, yeah. whatever. Oh, well. all right, dude. Appreciate it, my man. Good yeah, stuff. I'll catch you later. He is Steve Hellwagon. Him and Patrick will have stories, videos, pictures from the game. There, Steve's game stories are already up. Uh, they'll have stuff from post-game interviews. Um, get on Bucknuts. A lot of that stuff's free. Um, Steve's game story. And uh, he'll keep adding to it now that uh, post-game interviews are over and I'm done bugging him with the post-game show. How about Steve coming strong? Just boom, boom, boom. Like, you know, I get – I mean, I, I don't disagree with anything he said. He came strong. I think most of you are, are agreeing with him as well. And I get it, right? I mean, Maryland's a good team. I think all this can be true. Maryland's a good team. You beat them by 20. That's awesome, especially a year like this. You're already undefeated so far. There's not an elite team in college football like we've been talking about. Just take care of business. Buckeyes will be where they want to be. Okay, I, that's true. I believe that 100%. I also believe, like Steve articulated, this is not going to get it done against better competition unless they just crap the bed. You know, But Penn State, this is the best Penn State team that they've had in a while. Uh, Michigan is Michigan. You got to go to Ann Arbor. And then if they are able to get past those games, get to the playoff, and then today's performance is not going to get it done against whoever you play in the playoff. So they have to get better. Particularly, they have to get better with their run game and special teams. Um, I'm very encouraged by this defense. Yeah, they weren't perfect today, but man, I'm very encouraged by this defense. I mean, Maryland's a good offense, really good. Tunga Vailoa is a very good college quarterback. Picked him off twice made life difficult on him, didn't give him any big plays, only gave up 17 points. And that, you know, they gave up 17 points. Really, they gave up like 10. You know, one of Maryland's touchdowns was off that stupid, you know, bad snap on the punt. We now know it wasn't a fake punt, allegedly. And uh, it was just a bad snap. Um, and I don't know what's up with Parker Fleming coaching up long snappers. I've never seen so many gaffes in like a, what, an eight-game period going back to last year, as we've seen with long snappers in Ohio State. Um so short yardage, running, running in general, and special teams. They've got to shore that up. But I love what I'm seeing out of the Silver Bullets. Love it. Absolutely love it. Um, other than Tommy, which is a surprise. <laughs> other than Tommy. Because Tommy was a second-team All-American last year. I'm just not seeing it this year. He, he's just he's missing tackles. He's not playing as physical. I don't know what's going on with Tommy. I don't know what. That shocks me because he – I remember thinking Tommy didn't look very good in 2021. He was a third-year sophomore, and then he had that huge game in the Rose Bowl as a defensive player of the game. It's like, wow, maybe the light came on for Tommy. And then what happened last year from game one? He was just a wrecker. You know, he was just wrecking plays and making big plays. And even when he wasn't making big plays, he was just so steady, very rarely missing a tackle. Um, you know, Tommy two thumbs, had the bo broken thumbs and still was out there making plays. This year, I don't know what's going on with Tommy. I don't know. Hopefully it's just um, 
Because it was the same. It wasn't just a one-game thing. He was pretty bad against Notre Dame, too. Hopefully it's a two-game thing. Because we know what Tommy can do. We've seen it. So my gut is I'm not that worried about it because I know he's got it in him. And it wasn't just a flash in the pan. He's done it for a whole season. It wasn't just the Rose Bowl or a couple games last year. It was the Rose Bowl and pretty much all of last year. Um, but Tommy looks like he's regressed, which is shocking because James Laurinaitis is now working with him. I thought that'd be like a perfect marriage. Like those two guys are just like, you know, remind me of each other. Yeah, I'm old enough where I was on the beat when James Laurinaitis was in high school. We were calling him for the old Bucknuts front row radio to get him on when he was in high school. When people were like, "What's who's this three-star linebacker that Trestle's recruiting from Minnesota that nobody wants? And James was, was committed to Minnesota at the time. And uh, things worked out pretty well with James Laurinaitis. I still think that was a home run hire to bring in Laurinaitis basically as linebacker coach, even though he's technically a grad assistant. I don't know what's going on with Tommy. I thought I thought he Tommy was great last year. I thought Laurinaitis would elevate him even more. Um, so we'll see what happens. But, uh, man, um, overall, I love what I'm seeing out of this defense. Overall, I think they're playing excellent football. Um, and Ohio State's going to have to win these games against Penn State and against Michigan with their defense. It's going to be relatively low scoring, like we saw against Notre Dame, even to an extent today, even though Ohio State put on put some points up late. It was relatively a low-scoring game. I mean, Ohio State's down 10 nothing early. Then it's tied 10-all at halftime. And Maryland goes up 17-10 to um, to start the second half. So even in the second half, they're trailing 17-10, to Ohio State is. And then from there, Ohio State dominated. So give them credit. They're trailing 17-10, to uh, and they dominate from their 27-0 run. So give Ohio State credit uh, where it's due, but also – um, call a spade a spade. They've got a lot of work to do if they're going to achieve their goals. And it's a, uh, fortunately it's a year where there's not an elite team in college football that I see at least Georgia's not elite. Michigan's not elite. I mean, Michigan's very good. Don't get me wrong. I don't think they're elite though. I don't know if they're as good as they were last year. Last year, they weren't elite. Just ask TCU. Um, you know, but Michigan's good. Penn state's good. There's a lot of talk. Texas could be the elite team and they get lost to Oklahoma. So, uh, it's just not, there's not an elite team in college football this year. So, but that doesn't mean Ohio state can just do what they did today and get by. They have to be markedly better than they were today. Markedly better. All right. Appreciate you guys rolling with me here. What we learned live again, uh, big audience in the house. Appreciate you guys very much. Uh, all the comments, questions, anybody who's just watching, listening, uh, listening to the podcast only version. Uh, really appreciate you making time to join me. Thank you very much to Bill Curlick the dean of Ohio State football recruiting. Get on Bucknuts. He will have all the recruiting coverage that you'd ever want and more. Bill Curlick, the best in the business. So thank you to the dean. Thank you to Patrick Murphy. Thank you to Steve Hellwagon. And thanks to all of you. I am Dave Biddle. This has been What We Learned Live following Ohio State's 37-17 to win over Maryland. The best thing about being 5-0 is the chance to go 6-0. I'll see you next week on What We Learned Live. I'll see you all week on Bucknuts. Uh, on our, I almost called it front row radio since I mentioned that earlier on uh, the Bucknuts Morning Five. Um, but uh, I'll definitely see you after the Purdue game next week. Um, thank you very much for joining me again. Thanks to Bill Curlick, Patrick Murphy, and Steve Hellwagon. Hope everyone has a great rest of your day and weekend.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 